welcome Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a special Tuesday edition of the show because the Bucks played on Monday Night Football and were victorious in a crazy fashion coming back late in the game to defeat the New Orleans Saints 17-16. So ladies and gentlemen, it is Victory Tuesday. Happy Victory, Victory Tuesday! Victory! As Johnny Drama would say uh, from Entourage. Uh, so appreciate everyone watching with us today. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is my fellow co-host of PeterReport.com. He's the face that runs the place at the website. It is SR Scott Reynolds, and we're a day removed from uh, the Bucks win that I just mentioned. The dust has settled. And did you say dust? You yes. mean like like get the broom out dust? Like it's time for a sweep. That's right. It like is a, a sweep, sweep as well as you see on the yeah. logo. Bucks sweep the Saints. By the way, the uh, the picture of Carl Nassib is downright yeah. hilarious. Just the facial. Yeah expression that he's making yeah. as he wanted he, uh, that sack so bad yeah and you know what that was a that was a crucial crucial yeah. moment in the game but yes the bucks swept the saints and part of the reason why i picked the bucks to beat the saints scott yes you did um, yes you did get all the props for that yeah thank you uh part of it though was because you get you could throw out the logic everything's been so upside down with the bucks yeah. this season they lose to all the bad teams and then the rams and the saints the two teams that have had their number consistently yeah. in the tom brady era they go undefeated against them 3-0 and this season. So I just kind of had a feeling that was going to be the case. Uh, but nonetheless, hey, a win is a win is a win. A yep. lot of positivity yesterday. Big yep. win. Bucks are now 6-6. Six and six. I don't really trust this team just yet, or really at <laughs> all. But we're going to start with the win and then yeah. kind of get negative again. Or at least I am. Um, well, I, I, yeah, I, I'm going to – I am gonna. I don't know if it's negative or positive at this point, but I'm just going to say this. I, I'm – I'm just dumb. I mean, not only did I put 60 <laughs> bucks down on the Saints last night, which actually, to be fair, looked like a good bet until three seconds left in the game. Right. Uh, but I'm glad I lost the best 60 bucks I've ever spent because um, I do believe kind of like in karma. Not that I, you know, made the Buccaneers win. I take zero credit for that. It was all Tom Brady and the Bucks defense and Rashad White and Kate Otten and all the receivers and everybody on the team. Uh, had nothing to do with me. However, um, I do believe sometimes in, um, gosh, what's that expression? Um, when you, it's it's kind of like when you speak it into existence. Yeah, putting you, it you know out I mean? in the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, or no, like, like it's 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 like the reverse. It's like reverse psychology. It's like I right. think the Bucks are going to lose. They surprise me and end up winning. So I hope that I'm not ruining things for this Sunday, but I. I, I I think they're going to beat the 49ers on Sunday. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> yes, oh, I man. I just have this. I, I can't see Tom Brady losing in California. It'll probably be the last time he plays in his home state. This was his boyhood team. I think it just it's going to mean more for Tom than, than maybe any other game on the schedule, this game here for whatever reason. And, of course, it, it means the most now because it's the next game. This game gets you to seven and six. And probably even pulling away from the other teams in the NFC South because nobody wants to win this division. This is like the, the like the most crazy game of hot potato I've ever seen. Nobody wants the right. title. You take it. No, I don't want it. You take it. And now the Buccaneers are in a position where like, okay, they've got it. It's like the musical chairs. All of a sudden, the music stops. The Buccaneers find themselves in the seat. Like, oh, okay, cool. But um, yeah, man, it. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I, I do know why. Because I think Brock Purdy, when you come into a game kind of cold like that, you, you can kind of like light it up. I've seen that happen. It, it's before. the brand it's the Brandon Walton effect. Like right. when Brandon Walton yes. came in when Josh Wells got injured in week right. two, ironically, Played against the Saints. Right. Yeah. Yes. Great, great point, Matt. And I think Todd Bowles is gonna have some time to kind of maybe figure him out a little bit. Um the Bucks, except for the Saints games, they don't really turn the ball over that much. Tom Brady has three interceptions at this mm -hmm. point in the season. The 49ers do a great job of taking the ball away. I think that if the Buccaneers can avoid turnovers, if they can play a clean game from that perspective, they might go on a little bit of a roll here, man. I mean, just this defense, the Buccaneer defense, the, gosh, if they could just take the ball away, they would really be one of the, the best defenses in the league. They would be an elite defense. I think right now they're a good defense, not a great defense, 
and not an elite defense. But if they were to take the ball away, I think they could be there because they're up there in the top five in sacks. They are um, in the top five in terms of scoring defense. Mm-hmm. I think they're only averaging 18.1 points per game they're allowing. They're really good on third downs. They're good in a lot of areas. The takeaways would make them great. They just don't get them. Maybe that'll happen in San Francisco. I don't know. I'm just feeling Scott, you're I'm uh, California you're really, dreaming is what I'm doing. You're really uh, you're really drinking the Kool-Aid right now I after uh, the Bucks just won that game. I'm I have not had exactly, two Celsius today. I'm, I'm not exactly drinking that. the Kool-Aid, but I do enjoy drinking a uh, Celsius energy drink. The official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast, a variety of different flavors. You see the Arctic Tropical and Peach vibe on there. You'd also go sparkling uh, peach mango, sparkling wildberry, ton of great different flavors. Um, and the key though, is it's has seven essential vitamins, gives you that fuel to get you through your day. It's a healthy energy drink, zero sugar. There's no crash after you drink it and you go on with your day. It's not like the other energy drinks that you have. And that's really the key is the, is the essential vitamins and no sugar. Um, if you want to find out where you can go get a Celsius energy drink, go to the store locator on their website, put in your address. And find out where, you know, there's a local convenience store, Bodega, as I like to Bodega. say. <laughs> Check out where there is one near you because they're popping up all over the place, which is uh, really awesome to see. And then when you find out you love Celsius energy drinks, and I have a really good feeling that you will, uh, go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save, and uh, save some money, get the variety pack, or really just get them in bulk. But I would recommend the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And have it set to your house or apartment wherever you live, every one, two, or three weeks, uh, you know, whenever it is, um, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast, hashtag Celsius Live Fit, hashtag Celsius Energy. Please, uh, if, you, if you're having a Celsius Energy Drink and you're thinking about Peter Report, take a quick pic of uh, of the can and, and send it to us on our social media. We love uh, seeing you guys interact yeah. with our products and using uh, our products that – sponsor the show and you know we'll we'll give you a retweet and uh and show some love there so please do that i was rocking this a lot of uh for last night's game the uh watermelon berry definitely would recommend that yeah i I had the orange today this morning and then i had the fuji apple pear this afternoon very nice because i'm on fumes from last night in terms of going (laughs) to bed late and waking up early and all that but that's what happens on a victory tuesday you know, we didn't have a victory Monday yesterday, Matt. Actually, we did. It was like, like, just well, yeah, a minute we went or at two. Midnight, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, but you know, what happens on on Mondays during our podcast? Uh, we have roll call, and roll call usually happens at four twenty on Mondays. So we felt like we robbed you, pewter people, of that yesterday. So we're going to do it today at four twenty on Tuesday. And and what exactly is roll call? Roll call. Where are you at, Peter people? We want to know where you are watching this show from because we have awesome fans all over the globe, not just America, not just the state of Florida. We have awesome international fans as well, and we appreciate everyone that consumes this show, whether you're watching on YouTube with us, whether you're listening on uh, YouTube as well. Maybe you're in your car or, or Spotify or iTunes, wherever it is. We really appreciate you guys. Um, so if you're watching the show right now and you're in the chat, at 420, start putting in the location of where you are watching from, and we will put it on the screen. So I uh, love when you guys interact with us. You yes, have great comments, fun. and uh, we want to know uh, what location that you are yep. taking in some Buccaneers content and, of course, uh, Peter Report's content, which also, reminder, if you like what we're doing over at PeterReport.com, whether it's our multitude of articles that have gone up uh, in, well, really every day, but in recent days with, with the game going on last night. Maybe you like uh, our YouTube channel from our podcast to our various videos that we have going up. We started some shorts as well, too, for those that uh, are familiar with YouTube mm-hmm. shorts. We have that uh, going up now, too. Just do us a favor. Subscribe to Peter Report TV, which is our YouTube channel. We are getting very, very close to so 10,000 subscribers we would love to hit that by the end of the football season that's my one christmas christmas wish for uh, all the uh if if you bucks fans computer people could help us out 
Uh, would love to get to 10,000. So please like and subscribe. It's absolutely free. Just gives you a heads up of when we're going live or when we put out a new video and uh, have a lot of great content coming up. So you now just click the button. Takes two seconds. Hit the thumbs up as well. We'd really appreciate it if you guys could help us out uh, with that because uh, we really want to hit 10,000 by the end of yep. the football season. Hopefully the Bucks make the playoffs so that season right. will extend uh, further and further, further and further. But uh, definitely would appreciate that. Yeah, Ben brings up a good point here. But Scott, the 49ers are on a backup quarterback right now. You know the Bucks' history against backups. Yes, no matter who the coach, no matter who the defensive coordinator, no matter no matter which Hall of Famers they have, whether it's Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Rondé Barber, Simeon Rice, Levante David, uh, it, it doesn't matter. The Buccaneers at times have struggled against backup quarterbacks. They yeah. shouldn't, but they have. So we'll see how Todd Bowles does against. Uh, Brock Purdy, who was at Iowa State. I saw Brock play quite a bit because I'm a Big 12 guy. Uh, went to Kansas State. <clears throat> big 12 champs. And, not a big deal. Uh, not a big deal. But, uh, but yeah, I uh, he's a good quarterback. He's a gamer. I think Todd, in his press conference today, said he used the term moxie. That's, that's a great term for Brock Purdy. It means not super talented, but good enough. In right. Like the guy, he, hey, he fights hard. Yeah, He fights hard. <laughs> exactly. And and you know what? Sometimes, you know, it kind of reminds me, and I think Max Duggan from TCU is a better version of Brock Purdy, but there's a little bit of that, that gritty gamer type of, of mentality. Um, and, and there's something to be said for those type of quarterbacks. Sometimes those type of quarterbacks can stick. Taylor Heineke, I think, in yes. Washington yes. Is, is very similar. To Great that. example. Right. So you can you can win with those types of guys. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, we do have a little bit of news as it pertains to the 49ers. They did not get Baker Mayfield and the Rams actually claimed him. So they kind of did a block on their their They're, division rival. That's really and interesting because the Rams aren't going anywhere. There. Yeah, I guess so. Right. The Rams aren't going anywhere this year. Just wanted so. to stick it to the 49ers, which yeah. is great. Because not that Baker Mayfield would have started on Sunday per se, yeah. Because that that's kind of tough to come in, learn new teammates, learn a new playbook, and then go out there and play, in in a short week. But it certainly means that he's not going to be on the roster for the postseason. They're going to have to stick with Brock Purdy, and and you know we'll see how the 49ers uh, do. Um, having said that, though, if you look at at the Bucks' schedule this year, and and this is kind of the reason why I'm a little optimistic about this game i know the 49ers and we'll get into this more on wednesday tomorrow yeah. during our preview but i know the 49ers have won five games in a row uh, i get that and the schedule has been weird this year for the bucks and for just about everybody everybody because there's so much parity in the league right now right you can sit there and say okay tampa bay has beaten the seahawks and the cowboys but they lost to the Steelers, although that doesn't Panthers. look like such a bad win right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, but they've lost the Panthers. So both of those teams were one win at the time. Browns if wasn't you, a good, yeah. Browns, Browns was, was, not a, was not a good loss at all, right? Not that there's such a good thing as a good loss. But if you look at the 49ers schedule, they have lost to the Bears. They've lost to the Falcons. They've lost to the Chiefs, which, you know, that's that's a, kind of a, a, a gimme. By a very similar score, the Bucks lost to the Chiefs. 41 to 31. The 49ers lost to the Chiefs 44-23. So very similar score. They also lost to the Broncos. How do you lose to Russell Wilson right. and the Broncos? <laughs> they lost 11 to 10. Now those were earlier in the season, but they were also with Jimmy Garoppolo, not Brock Purdy. And I do know that they they beat the the Miami Dolphins 33-17. That's a quality win, but I, I'm not. I don't think that the 49ers are the juggernaut that some believe that they are, and we'll see. Maybe my opinion yeah. gets changed on Sunday. I, I like the fact the Buccaneers have a little bit, bit of momentum, a little bit of spark from this. They have a little bit of breathing room in the NFC South. I think it takes some of the pressure off, so maybe they're not playing as tight. And Matt, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Yeah, with that question, I, I think uh, to to talk about that the Niners are not a, a juggernaut. I would best surmise it where I watched a lot of that Sunday night game a couple of weeks ago. It was 49ers Chargers mm -hmm. and the Chargers had everyone was out. Keenan Allen was out. Their other yeah. very talented wide receiver that got the uh, the, the big contract uh, over the summer before Chris Godwin got signed. They had no one and the right. Chargers defense stuck with them and the Chargers had a chance to win late, but they didn't. But the, I don't think San Fran barely got like 20 points. So 
Um, yeah, they definitely are not like elite yet. Everyone's crowning them as an elite team, right. but I don't necessarily think that is the case just yet. And they are going yeah. up against a rookie quarterback. And we saw Todd Bowles use a little wrinkle last game where yeah. Vita Vea was essentially an inside linebacker. Right. And uh, Logan Hall did that a little bit too. Logan Hall didn't yeah. get a lot of playing time, but he did line up in that same position. So the one thing Todd Bowles is going to do, and I'll end this in a moment, because again, we'll talk about this tomorrow. Yep. But he's going to give different looks to the 49ers where uh, Purdy is not going to just be like, oh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, they're going man to man on this play. No big deal. Yep. I got this. You know, he's definitely going to have to make him think a lot. And, you know, thinking even for an idiot like me is tough at times. So for a rookie playing uh, his first career start, uh, definitely um, not going to be easy for him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, just to kind of put a period on, on the Baker Mayfield uh, uh thought because he's now with the Rams, not the 49ers. I, I, I do think that, that uh, he was, he was overrated. I, I never bought into the, the Baker Mayfield uh, thing. I saw him play at Oklahoma. I think he's a product of that Lincoln Riley system. Um, you know, you look at Kyler Murray, look at Baker Mayfield. Um, Jalen Hurts was, you know, for a minute, but he was also at Alabama too. Yeah. I think Jalen Hurts is honestly the, the, the better quarterback of those three by far. And it's kind of showing with the Eagles, but I, I don't know that, that, um, that Baker Mayfield, I, I think he was a better version of Johnny Manziel. I just never bought into the hype. Uh, I think that he talked a good game, but he couldn't back it up with, with the physical tools. And, you know, if you start, if you flame out in Cleveland and you flame out in Carolina, I mean, you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're, you're above what Sam Rosen Right or sorry, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen, yeah, yeah. Sam didn't mean to offend Sam Rosen. Sam, the Sam Darnold, yeah, yeah. Sam's a good guy, but but Josh Rosen, right? He just he's gone, right? Because he, mm -hmm. if you can't make it in a couple certain spots and stick in bad teams, and you're a good quarterback, you're you're just you're you're not that. And I don't think Baker Mayfield is that. I, I I'd be shocked if he has success elsewhere. I just don't think he's all that. Josh Rosen, I always felt that he kind of thought he was a know-it-all and like had every answer to everything when like, yes, you know, you're just a rookie quarterback coming into the NFL. Yep. Maybe you should be more of a sponge and absorb right uh, a lot of things. Uh, yeah. Teddy here, Teddy, you had some great comments yesterday, yes, a great comment right here. And uh, a lot of super chats too. So shout out to you, Teddy. Yes. Thank um, you. He says, Scott, last night you said you had some insight slash info on why no coaching staff changes or adjustments have happened this year that you'd share today. Yes. I think that's a good idea. It's up to you, Scott, yeah. um, to share that information in two minutes at roll call. Okay. That's exactly right. I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm just teeing it up right here. Teddy and I, we're thinking along the same lines here and, um, and, and I love it. So, yes. You know what? We're, in, in the meantime, why don't we yeah. do uh, an ad read right now? Talk about one of our, our favorite, favorite clients. That of course is pirate Republic, the official beer of pewterreport.com they are based out of the nassau bahamas and they are coming to tampa and the holiday season right in time for you to get right now and uh pirate public of course three great flavors and the, their beer brings people together to celebrate life and that's celebrating life in the spirit of the original pirate code uh, you have the long john pilsner it's perfect for tailgating and having fun at the beach in the florida sun that's in the red can right there that you see. You also have the Take No Quarter IPA. It's the best IPA around that you can drink. Matt, I, wanna, drink. I want you to take note of the 7.2%. Ah, because yes. Having one of those tall boys, that will get you going. Yeah, 7.2, right. Josh Wells. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, you can also drop an orange slice in the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian with beer and enjoy that pirate life. That's, of course, in the gold can. Now, where can you find Pirate Republic? About to tell you. Uh, it's available in participating retailers like Total Wine and More, Lucan's Liquors, Party Liquors, and select ABC liquor stores. That's where I get my Pirate Republic. Uh, select ABC liquor stores in the greater Tampa Bay area. They are expanding across the state of Florida, which is a wonderful thing. So live life on your terms and drink like a pirate with Pirate Republic beer. Also, if you live in the Tampa Bay area and uh, you're going to Ybor City, if you go to New York, New York Pizza yep. over there, they have Pirate Republic in uh, their facility or their establishment, I should mm -hmm. say. So, uh, yeah, you, you can find them in, in various spots. Definitely would recommend uh, checking it out. It's a, it's a great tasting beer. And yep. um, 
We're not just saying that because we've had right. other offers from other That's beer right. companies and we didn't like it. They so, weren't good uh, enough. And Pirate Republic is. So even if you have your favorite go-to beers, you know, give Pirate Republic a try because it's quality beer. It's fantastic. We drink it, the Peter Report staff, not because we get it free. We do, but um, but also because it's good. I'm I do drink. buy it too. Yeah. 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 I do too. When I run out, I do buy it because <laughs> you know, I'm used to like, hey, where's our shipment? It's not here yet. I got to go yeah. buy some, which we love supporting our, um, our, our partners. Um, but I'm not going to drink a uh, bad beer if it's free. I'm just not, but this yeah. is really, really good beer. We have um, standards. We do have standards. You're damn right. We do. And, uh, you know, how about the Buccaneers last night with clock management, right? I mean, three seconds left, getting a touchdown, not a second to spare clock management was an issue before for the Buccaneers. We're pretty good with clock management too. Um, my clock says 420. Yep. That means it's time for. Roll call. I already see people in the chats. Appreciate you guys getting it right on time. Ahead of the game. Yeah. Let us know where you are watching from, and I will put it on the screen as Scott Reynolds give us gives us some juicy information about Byron Leftwich and why he's still here <laughs> as the okay. offensive coordinator. All right. So found out a couple things for you guys. All right. So Todd Bowles is the head coach. <clears throat> he has full license to do whatever with his coaching staff. Right. He's uh, I I put it out there. I called for Byron Leftwich's firing after the Carolina Panthers game. And then I followed up shortly thereafter, I think, after the Pittsburgh game uh, when the Buccaneers you know, scored. You know, well, actually, it was the, the Pittsburgh game and then the Carolina game. But three points against Carolina, you got to do better than that. And we've seen this offense just struggle to score points all season long, averaging about 17 points. I think Todd Bowles has made a calculated risk this year because as a head coach, your job is to win now, but you're also your job is to build a, a team that can be sustained and have some sustained, sustained, sustained success. Easy for me to say. And look no further than Todd Bowles's seasons up there in New York. Right, Matt? Didn't he start off with the bang? Ten win season, missed the playoffs. Though, he did. Right? Yeah. But then yeah. after that, it was the downward spiral. It was the, the, the decline. So, You've got to win now, but have an eye on winning later. And that means playing younger players now to help develop them for future seasons, right? That's that's just part of the job. Um, so with, with Todd Bowles knowing, and trust me, he knows, that the Glaciers have at least given every coach that they've hired two seasons, right? They have... They've given Lovey Smith two seasons, even though the first season was a disastrous two and 14. He got another year. Greg Schiano went seven and nine his first year. Then he went four and 12 and got fired the next year. Dirk Cutter got three. And we saw Raheem Morris get three. But every coach gets two seasons. So I think Todd Bowles says, well, if I fire Byron Leftwich now, then I've got to hire somebody pretty much within my staff to to replace him. And I don't know that he has a lot of confidence in the offensive staff members because this is not his staff. This is Bruce Arian's staff. Now, Todd has worked with a lot of these people, but none of the offensive coaches were on the staff that Todd had in the New York Jets organization when Todd got to pick his own staff. So remember, Bruce was, was uh, you know, stepped down on March 30th. This is two weeks after free agency and said, Todd, here's my staff. You run it. You run the roster and you get you get to do the draft, Todd. But but, you know, just keep the train moving. Well, there's been a lot of defections, right? Uh, Rob Gronkowski's retired. Ali Marpet's retired. Ryan Jensen got hurt. Second day training camp, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, Antonio Brown's gone. So the offense had to be kind of retooled, restructured because, this Bruce Arian system, there is a level of predictability to it. I'm sure Bruce doesn't want to hear that, but that's why that's why you saw the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin, who faced this Bruce Arians offense every day in practice, especially in training camp when they went good on good for years and years and years. That's why the Pittsburgh Steelers, without Minka Fitzpatrick and most of their secondary, were still able to shut down the Buccaneers offense, hold them to 18 points, because there is a level of predictability to it, right? The problem is when you have uh, all these weapons, right? When you've got uh, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the field at the same time, 
You can out-talent mm-hmm. opposing defenses. You can call any play, and it has a high degree of success because in 2020 and 2021, Tom Brady, the best quarterback at finding the mismatches and getting the ball, right, was being protected by three Pro Bowl offensive linemen. Okay. Now they don't have those offensive linemen. Now they don't have weapons in Gronkowski and an AB. And that makes it easier to try to take away Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen all year, right? We've seen all year the Buccaneers have not found that reliable number three. Julio Jones for a minute, he gets hurt. Scotty Miller and eh, makes a catch a game. Rashad Perriman, nope. Russell Gage, he's hurt. It's been a problem, right? And then it's it's been a long, slow train, but yes, we've seen Kate Otten step up, right? And and kind of be that guy. He's not Gronk, he's not even close, but he's better than Cam Brate. But it's it's been a yeah. minute in his development. So here's why Byron Leftwich has not been fired and, and is not going to be fired uh, until the offseason. And I think he will. Because Todd Bowles is going to have one shot at getting an offensive coordinator, and he's got to get the right guy. And on March 30th, probably everybody he wanted to hire is already with another team. Uh, the guy he wants is probably not on the staff because this is a Bruce Arian staff. All these guys have been brought up in this system. They don't really have a lot of experience doing other things and, and, and playing in other systems and certainly coaching it. I think Todd is going to go in a different direction and is going to veer off this tree. And, and that's okay. That's his prerogative because right now the guy that's calling the plays, Byron Leftwich, is, is not getting the job done at 17 points per game, even with Tom Brady as his quarterback. And folks, it took up until the last five minutes of the game, the last three, three, three minutes really, to get to 17 points. They were at three points for most of this game. So if Todd Bowles fires Leftwich and promotes somebody, whether it's uh, an old hat like Clyde Christensen or a, a really inexperienced guy that's an up-and-comer like Thad Lewis, and if that person doesn't work out, now he gets to go to Jason Light and the Glaziers and say, oh, I want another shot at hiring an offensive coordinator. I want a second coordinator for my second season here. I think Todd's making a calculated gamble, a calculated risk. I'm going to win this season with defense. We're going to get in the playoffs because of Tom, and we're going to have Tom and my defense in the postseason, and we're, we're going to give this thing our best shot. We're going to get healthier by the end of the season, and, and maybe this offense, we can get some continuity, and maybe by then we, we can score more than 17 points. Hasn't happened yet, Matt. Didn't happen yesterday. No. But I think that is why – he is doing this because he knows if he if he makes this call in season and the results aren't better than Byron Leftwich because of a very, very limited pool of, of people he has to to replace Leftwich with on staff. Um, he's going to be under even more pressure next year because now this would be offensive coordinator number two. And, and I, I, I think that is what is happening here. And, and he wants to he wants a guy that's not on the staff to be the offensive coordinator. That's very, very interesting stuff there, Scott, and uh, quite insightful as well. It makes total sense what you're saying about the fact that, okay, well, if you get rid of Byron Leftwich, you just have another group of of men that are, you know, Bruce Arians guys that run Bruce Arians. Calling the same plays, you know, and and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, what I would question, though, and I'm not, like, disagreeing with the, you know, the the logic, which has been a, a... a term that has been used often right around Byron Leftwich when there typically is none. No um, logic. But I think a lot of the issue with Byron Leftwich isn't just, you know, oh, this is Bruce Arians style of offense. It's like the selection within the style of offense. We've yeah. seen the Bucks win with BA's offense. They won a right. Super Bowl. They scored 30 points last season. I yeah. think a lot of it comes down to we don't like that he runs it a ton in neutral situations on first down, the running game isn't getting going. There's not a lot of creativity. There's a lot of predictability with getting a thousand screens called. Now, if you eliminated that and you didn't have Byron Leftwich, I understand it's the same coaching staff and BA's offense, but could a Clyde Christensen or a Thad Lewis, would it be an upgrade in the sense of like, 
maybe they'll just run more play action and they can still yeah. be successful in BA's offense, but they would just have better decisions made than what Byron Leftwich uh, was kind of hurting the Bucks' offense with. That's just kind of the one thing yeah. I question. I, I agree, but at the same time, it's like, again, you're looking at a very, very limited number of, of candidates here. Again, you can go one of two ways on this yeah. on this staff because you're, you're, the number of candidates is this big. It's not this big, right? It's it's this big. It's Do you want a guy who's been there and done that and hasn't been terribly successful in Ty Christensen? Uh, or do you want to go with a guy that literally has no play calling experience in in Thad Lewis? That's kind of the opposite ends of the spectrum. That's why I mentioned Thad. That's why I mentioned Clyde. Uh, Tom Moore is not an option. I know some people are like, well, you know, Tom Moore knows <laughs> yeah. more about. Yeah, he's he's he didn't want that job. He wants to be Tom Moore. Scott. Uh, and the, the other thing, too, is and this is really important. I'll just end it on this, Matt. Tom Brady has a say in this, too. Right. You're not going to pair Kevin Garber, the receivers coach or, or Thad Lewis with Tom Brady and say, here's your new offensive coordinator. Here's your new play caller, Tom. Clyde Christensen would probably make the most sense because he's the quarterback's coach. But yeah. you're not going to spring halfway in the season or even you know a quarter of the way into the season a new play caller on Tom Brady. You can do that if it's Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask. Say, hey, you don't like it, but you know, here's we're making a change. Tom Brady, the Tom Brady gets what he wants at one buck in your place. That that's just how it, it's just how it's been. Right. That, they, they've catered, they've catered to yes. Tom, and understandably so. You right. know, Tom, so the, the, yeah, that's like another important fact. They, they yeah. In and why now here's the thing. Tom may not like some of Byron's play calling too, but he probably like like Todd like Todd looks around and says, Well, I don't know that that there's a better answer per se. So we're gonna ride it out and see what happens. You know, I, I don't know. Scott, we have some uh, breaking news on the yes, show. The, the Bucks made a roster move, and yep. it seems like before I was a regular on the show, when you and I would be on, you know, they yes. signed Keanu Neal. They they yep. made some uh some some moves. Then uh, this is a big one because this is a uh, is. a a captivating figure uh, to Bucks fans, mostly for negative reasons. But the Bucks have waived wide receiver and kick returner Jalen Darden from the yep. active roster and released offensive tackle Dylan Cook and cornerback Ryan Smith from the practice squad. So the Bucs will have a new punt returner yes. for Sunday's game against the 49ers and a new kick returner as well because Rashad White hasn't really been doing that since he's been elevated in the uh, offensive role for the Bucs. Right. So uh, I see some people saying Devin Tompkins. That could definitely be a, so. um, a thought there. Giovanni Bernard has done some kick returns yeah. in, in, in other situations. He's not really doing much else besides right. on, on the punt team and the punt team didn't do great with the coverage or returns yesterday. So uh, a changing of the guard in the return game for the bucks. And yeah. um, I know a lot of bucks fans are happy about that. I'm not going to celebrate a, a player losing their job, but um, I don't necessarily hate the fact that there is going to be a change there. I think, also, yeah, Scotty Miller is someone that we've wanted to see return kicks for a long yeah, time now. He he never has, <laughs> but try. I'm down to uh, spin the tires on that. But at least it'll be a little bit of a breath of, of fresh air. And Darden, I think, improved this <clears throat> year as a returner. It wasn't fantastic, and he still goes to right. the sideline all the time. But you look at his you know averages per game and things like that, it was definitely uh, an increase from the year before. And, um, you know, was up there with Jaden Mickens and everyone loved Jaden Mickens for what he did in the return yeah. game. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm fine with the change. I, I am, too. I, and here's the funny thing. And, and I'm not kidding. And I almost put this in the group chat uh, before the Todd Bullish press conference started. We were on Zoom today. Right. So we only got a, a couple of questions. Right. And it's all kind of yeah. like you got to like ask raise you got a hope that they call on yeah, yeah. ask for, for permission to ask a question it's not like the, the free-flowing thing where you know there's some press conferences i'll not ask a question right if if rick or jenner whoever or greg asked a question that i was going to i don't have a question sometimes i'll get a question or two and sometimes i will ask four or five questions right and if i've got a lot on my mind i'm gonna jump in and, and try to get as many answers as i can if I had an extra question today, it was going to be, and I'm not kidding you, uh, Coach, why does Jalen Darden seem to always run to the sidelines rather right. than roam the middle of the field looking for a seam? Because, you know, the the quickest 
you know, distance between two points is a straight line. And sometimes you can make a guy miss and not even be fast. I remember Carl the Truth Williams back in my day. We used to watch <laughs> Carl the Truth Williams back in the 1990s. And Carl the Truth Williams still the best punt returner in Bucks history. And he was not the fastest guy in the world. But he would set up his blocks really well. And he would never run to the sidelines. His returns were, were pretty much up the middle. And what he would do in doing those returns is he would literally make a guy miss, right? Like go one way, juke a guy, and then just go for, forward. Because you have all these guys that are coming straight at you. And if you can just literally sidestep them and avoid them, their momentum is going to carry you. Whereas if you go to the sidelines, that's when those coverage players can get an angle on you and a beat on you. And it just, it's a little bit harder. It's like if you played the game Galaga, right? The video game, right? When, when those, those little swarm of, of alien bugs start coming at you, when they're coming right at you. It's really hard to fire and get them all before they crash into you. It's kind of the same way as a punt returner. And I think some of the Bucks returns that they've given up, they've given up, you know, one or two on the sidelines. Usually those are kick returns, but punt returns usually up the middle is, yes. is something that, that is a little bit more deadly. Um, cause that's when you can hit a crease or a seam and boom, you got it. Yeah. Jalen Garden just wouldn't do it. And I mean, this guy has like a gravitational and you're killing, you're killing like, lines. you're killing like three or four seconds just to get to the sideline yes. in the first yes. place. Like I remember in high school, like in practice, we yeah. would, we would do, it was all about the angle of pursuit, the angle yep. of pursuit. And if you're going to the <clears> sideline, <throat> guys know how to get there. They might not right. get to you right away, but yeah, uh, someone said in the comments, and I agree with it, he always kind of like played scared. Like I remember he, he even got an end around when he was on offense, and he doesn't get a he or he didn't get a lot of snaps on offense yeah. in the first place. So when you get an end around, you can't just go out of bounds, man. Like right. you gotta you gotta absorb the hit. Yeah, I think he was close to like the yard marker on the play. This was weeks yes. ago, but especially with his speed, too. It's you like you said, you just have to make one guy miss and then head up the field. And that's right. He didn't really want to absorb the contact and Listen, being a punt returner is not an easy job by it's any not means. Not for the faint of heart. You have to be fearless, and he wasn't fearless, and he didn't right. really have great vision. Which is, I go back to a couple of years ago when the Bucks had Dare Ogunbowale, and then the Bruce yes. Arians team came in, and Keith Armstrong right. was a big fan of Ogunbowale for his uh, for his vision as a returner, and that's why he was a special. I'm team a fan captain. of you saying Dare Ogunbowale. Flawlessly, Thank twice you. in a row, Matt. So I'm yeah, just that, thanks a lot. Uh, former uh, Wisconsin alumni there. Yeah. Went to the Jaguars after. I'm not yeah. sure if he's still on a roster. But yeah, I would just love to see a, a returner that doesn't have to be the fastest. Now, if it is Scotty Miller, I just think you have to just be fearless and go up the middle. So if, yeah. if it's going to be Scotty Miller returning or, right. or Devin Adam Tompkins, Humphreys did that. You know, Adam yeah. Humphreys wasn't fast, but he was fearless, right? I mean, he, I remember he, he watching that. Um, what was it? It was that preseason game. A very the early computer report. Yeah, yeah was it the, the missed field goal? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was the missed field goal that he returned yeah. back for a touchdown. Like a I got it all six. on video, yeah. too. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that was. Um, what, what what else was awesome about last night that we didn't talk about? Um, I know. Let's talk a little bit about the Bucks defense because that's the best yeah. side of the ball right now. It a is a couple of guys that that I'm really fired up about. Carl Nassib, man, this Carl. guy. Carl. Carl. Good Listen. to see you. That's uh, from Billy Madison. But anyway. I, lo I love it. <laughs> um, one of my favorite players to talk to in the locker room. This guy is just smart beyond belief um i talk finances with carl because if you've watched him in his infamous little um hard knocks spiel on the on hard knocks yeah when he was in cleveland he was talking about compounding interest and and, and trevor uh trevor sikama and myself would call him the wolf of dale mabry uh, i love it yeah yeah <laughs> uh really bright guy funny guy uh I, I love the tenacity he plays with remember in 2019 he was a team captain Yes. Because Jason Pierre-Paul had that neck injury, and that was Bruce Arians' first year, and he really stepped up as as a as a kind of a you know, backup role player, and and uh, and really ascended to the starting um, you know lineup. And if you remember that year in 2019, when Shaq Barrett had a boatload of sacks, what do you have like nine sacks in the first four or five games? Yeah, just getting hat tricks left and right. Yeah, <laughs> he was playing opposite Carl Nassib. Those guys played off each other so well, and and so Nassib now has a sack and a half, and I think five tackles in the last two games. And and I'm I'm not knocking Anthony Nelson, but I I like how 
how Nassib is is just playing right now. And and I, I would give Nassib the start, and I would make Anthony Nelson the backup. If I'm Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers, and if I'm um, Bob Sanders, I, I'm going that route. I'm going to say, I want to see what Carl can do from the get-go. Let's switch roles, and let's see what type of, of, uh, of impact we get. And listen, Anthony Nelson, he's in a contract year. This is his first time getting a contract. Actually, Carl's in a contract year, too. He's only in a one-year deal. Yeah. But I want to create some real competition between these two guys. And and sometimes you get to tinker with the roster a little bit, and and I, I that's the move I go. Like, it worked with with Nick Leverett and Luke Gedeke. You yep. get better play sometimes by making a roster. Hit the nail on the head. It was right. very odd last night, though, because, you know, obviously Joe Tryon-Shank is supposed to be the big man in town now yeah. that, that Shaq Barrett isn't there. But Anthony Nelson led the outside linebacker room he in did. total snaps yesterday. Yep. Anthony Nelson had 41 out of 59 snaps, so that was um, 69%. Yeah. Joe Tryon-Shank uh, had 34 snaps, that's 58%. And then Carl Nassif had 29, that was 49%. And uh, right. Jannard Avery got um, 12 snaps as well. But I don't think there's any question. Carl Nassib was the best outside linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in yesterday's game, especially in the fourth quarter with the with the pass breakup and then having the clutch sack yes. on the Saints' last drive that essentially set up the Bucs in great field position by right. uh, such the uh, the negative loss there. So I'm completely with you. Carl Nassib should be playing more. He plays with the high motor. And, you know, you said this. You said this, uh, you know, a week or two ago when we were talking about Kate Otten and Cam Brate, and like, can you even remember off the top of your head like some key plays that Cam Brate made yeah. when he was healthy and in the lineup? And we both said no, and then you're like, I can remember Kate Otten did this. Kate Otten scored the touchdown against the Rams. Right. He had the sliding catch. It's kind of the same thing with Anthony Nelson and Carl Nassib. Like yeah. Anthony Nelson had has a fumble recovery. That's right. a nice play, but sometimes you're just in the right spot yeah. and you fall on the ball. Like Carl, the, <laughs> Carl Nassib is actually getting to the quarterback and right. plays. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes too, sacks can be impactful, right? Like that that was an impactful sack and yes. set up third and seventeen. Now the Buccaneers almost, you know, <laughs> almost screwed the pooch on that one because. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they allowed Taysom Hill to touch the ball, but Keanu Neal had other things. Hey, had other about. plans. Yeah. He did. And 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 so what that brings me to my next point too. But just to kind of finish up on Anthony Nelson, Anthony Nelson had a sack against the Browns. I don't remember that play. And I, I know I'm getting old. I'm 50, but um, but I am using age rejuvenation. I remember most things now, but I don't remember that that being like a very impactful sack. And sometimes you know, you, when you look at the stat sheet and you box, uh, you box score, you know, scout, you, that can really be troublesome. And it, you, it can fool you because sometimes those sacks, they don't happen on third downs. They don't get, um, they don't force punts. They don't get teams off the field. They're, I don't say they're meaningless, but if you get a, a five yard sack on first down and a second and 15, and, and they, they convert a 30 that. yard play. Yeah. Right. And then they score a touchdown. At the end of the day, that sack was not as impactful as, as a sack that, that ends drive. So I, I think that play right there with Carl Nassib, and, and again, Anthony Nelson's not exactly lighting the world up. I don't think he's going to get a huge contract. But when you're looking ahead to next year and you're saying, Shaq Barrett, when's he going to come back from this Achilles injury? Is it going to be like OJ Howard, where he's going to be a shell of his former self? Yeah. He's going to be 31 next year. I'm concerned about that. Joe Tryon Shoenka, guess what? He's got three and a half sacks. You know who else has three and a half sacks? Uh, Carl Nassib. Okay. And so I'm looking at production and productivity, and I'm interested in re-signing Carl Nassib if I'm the Buccaneers for next year. I'm and with you. A absolutely. A veteran guy. Clearly, I mean, he already knew the system before coming in this right. year, but rejoins the team and is making plays. You know, making yeah. plays – when he has the fewest opportunities compared right. to all the other outside linebackers. And I, don't I think he's think... the most physical outside linbacker they have. Yeah, and, and I don't think physicals like, all get out. And Anthony Nelson, I don't think, has been playing bad, but he's Correct. clearly not playing as well as he did last year. Like, for Anthony Nelson's sake, I almost wish for him that last year was his contract year because he probably, you know, again, I don't, he's not going to get paid like a top-tier outside linebacker, but right. he probably would have at least had a couple of suitors where this year I don't necessarily know as much. But Carl Nassib is definitely playing – his way into again not a long-term contract but i don't think right. the bucks are going to be the only team that are going to want to negotiate with carl nassib yep. after this season the way things are going and we'll see if they make any changes you know we, yep. we've seen some differences 
um, in, in playing time for a, a couple of different players. Like Akeem Hicks is playing more snaps than Vita Vea now. And I know right. Vita Vea had uh, the, the foot injury that yeah. he was nursing last week and, and this week as well. So maybe that's by design. But the Bucks right. have made some adjustments and moved some things around on defense. So maybe Carl Nassib yeah. uh, get, becoming the starter opposite of JTS is, is the next move. I'd love to see it. I, I think that he's deserved it from from how he's playing right now, and and I'd love to see that that role flipped and, and have have Nassib as the starter. Michelle C with the five dollar super chat. We have a couple of these super chats to get to. Thank you so much, Michelle. We appreciate the support. Would the Glaciers get rid of Todd Bowles to keep Tom Brady and bring in a coach he would want? Just curious. I think the Glaciers would do pretty much anything. Yeah. For Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Only problem is. Is that's a real short-term investment because Tom right, Brady he might play at age forty-six, Matt, but forty-seven, I don't think so. I th- I think they would do it though. I mean, why not? You're in a win-now. <laughs> Listen, you're in a win-now mode. Yeah. And if Brady leaves this year, who's their quarterback? Is it Kyle Trask? Are they gonna Are they gonna spin the wheel and see what veteran aging, uh, you know, quarterback is there? Is Blink Blaine Gabbert going to be the quarterback? Listen, if Brady comes back for another year and it's guaranteed that he's going to be there, you could say, all right, like we're going to get an offensive minded coach. So you kind of and obviously you you interview these these people, but yeah. you would go in knowing, OK, I have Tom Brady for one year and then we're going to try to you know pair you with another quarterback. And I know rookie quarterbacks are killers for coaches, but if you have the success yeah. with Tom Brady in one year. You're, the Bucs are going to be in the exact same scenario. Who's going to be our quarterback? Because they're not going to get a great draft pick, even as bad as the season has been. Right. They're not in the driver's seat to get one of the top premier uh, you know, quarterbacks in this draft. And you win next year with Tom Brady, presumably. So yeah. I say go for it. The win now window is very, very small for a lot of teams. And uh, yeah. so you got to go for it now or else uh, you know, speak now forever. Hold your peace. Uh, interesting, right? And Leo, kind of to pick up on the conversation, which is why I want to do these super chats back to back. Appreciate the five dollars super chat. Thank you, Leo. Forty Nine is interested in Jimmy G next season. Miami's not moving off Tua. Car signed an extension. Still say Brady returns next season. He chooses the offensive coordinator. I'm not going to rule that out. I know that I just wrote about this, and I did not have the Buccaneers as a destination that he would want to be in. I think. Maybe if Tom Brady and Todd Bowles agree on the offensive coordinator and that piques Tom's interest, that might be a situation that that he that he is uh, you know that where if he wants to play another year, I'm not ruling it out, but I I don't want to say that I I I think he's going to come back to Tampa. There's there's been a lot of dysfunction behind the scenes, folks. There just has. We're we're kind of uncovering some of it right now, but. There's been a, this has not been a fun year for a lot of people in the building. This has been a very tumultuous year, not just for Tom Brady, not just for Todd Bowles, a lot of people. This has been a rough year, and and there there's been turmoil, and the turmoil gets gets exacerbated when the winning is not there. Because winning cures a lot of of ills. I saw that firsthand in 2002. Mm-hmm. Warren Sapp and Keyshawn Johnson did not like each other, like just about mortal enemies. Did not like each other in that locker room. Keyshawn Johnson did not have a lot of friends in the Bucks locker room. They were snapping at him the other day. On of course, media. of course. And, and guess what? They won a Super Bowl together in 2002. But when the losing started in 2003, what happened? Right? I mean, the whole thing imploded. The, they went seven and nine. Key, exactly. Yeah. Key, finger pointing. Keyshawn Johnson got sent home. He got suspended for insubordination by John Gruden. I mean, when's the last time you saw a star receiver just jettisoned? Uh, Last year, I guess. Antonio right? Brown. Brown. <laughs> so it does happen. It happens. If it's going to happen to a star wide receiver, it's going to happen in Tampa Bay, folks. Yeah. But, but uh, it's it's just kind of crazy how how stuff happens. But uh, so yeah, I I think that's the only scenario, and I'm going to put an asterisk by this because I think this is the only scenario. If Tom wants to return, and he says, "Gosh, I I love these guys, and I really want to play with Ryan Jensen next year," didn't have a chance to do that this year. And I still like throwing to Mike and Chris and let's add some weapons and maybe Russell Gage becomes that guy. Maybe he doesn't, but Todd, let's agree on an offensive coordinator. And if, and if, if Todd picks the right guy, maybe Tom stays, but I think that's the only way it happens to that question though. I mean, he does present a good, a a good arguing point that what exact, who exactly is going to be open in the 
quarterback position next year that would Brady would actually be attracted to to going to. Like as he pointed out, I mean, obviously San Fran, I think, is the number one right. option where I don't think they're going to re-sign Jimmy G with the way that he's been playing. But you mentioned some of the yeah. other ones. Like Carr has a huge contract that's not right. easy to get out of. And I don't think yeah. he's going to join a team. Listen, I know he joined a, a Bucks team that right. uh, had a losing season, but they were on the cusp and they were just a quarterback away. Yeah. You're not going to go to one of these you know, new teams that uh, have a lot more issues. So I right. don't know if Brady is going to have a lot of options like he maybe New England. expects to have. New England. Have, yeah, but New England doesn't have, New England doesn't have the weapons, you know? Their their weapons this year are better than they were in 2019. How about how about this, Scott? And I'm not just saying this because I know the team pretty well. The Jets? I mean, the Jets. they got a they got a quarterback situation. They do. I don't I, I'm not exactly sure the numbers with the contract, but I mean they got right. weapons on offense, they got a great defense. And he was right. going to go to Miami anyway, so right. there's nothing about, hey, I don't want to go back to the AFC East. Brady yeah. to the Jets, right. oddly enough, would be like a really good fit. But, I agree. Uh, well, you know who, who else has been a good fit? I like your little segue there. Who's been a good fit for this team? And we've seen some splashy plays here and there. He had, I thought he had a really good game in Cleveland, and he had another good game last night. Keanu Neal. Yes. And, you know, you, you, you're looking at the prospect of maybe losing Mike Edwards, although I don't know if Mike Edwards is going to have a huge market. I really don't. Right? He started the season with the bang in week two with that pick six. Yeah. I just think that if you look at First the film on, on Mike Edwards. Right. Exactly. I think if you look at the, at the film, he's almost better coming off the bench and playing that spark plug guy that gets the interceptions. But, you know, the, the, the small sample size looks good. But then you give him the opportunity for the larger sample size, and you're like, okay, where are the plays? Where are the interceptions? Where are because listen, I thought when Mike Edwards was going to be the starter opposite Antoine Winfield, that this guy was going to have five or six interceptions this season, just based on what he did with fewer snaps in years past. That has not been the case. And I also think too, there's he's not as sturdy and durable as as you know, as Whitehead was the guy right. he replaced. Uh, but I, I think Keanu Neal is, is a player that, that Todd Bowles likes. He brings a different type of, of safety, a different type of, of physical presence there. He's a good blitzer. Um, I, I, he was not the guy that was charged with the Taysom Hill blown coverage. I think he was trying to cover up. For, I think it was Jamel Dean. I think Jamel Dean did, yeah. did not have a good game. He went inside when he should have played either quarters or, or cover three. I have to go back and look at the all 22. But I think Taysom Hill said, wait a minute. I, I'm sorry. Uh, Keanu Neal said, wait a minute. I see Taysom Hill slipping out of here. I'm going to try to make up some ground and see if I can cover him. And it was a blown coverage. But, man, that that big-time hit that he had. Saved was, the game. It, it did. It saved it, the game. It saved the game. And I, I, that just proves, again, we live in a, you know, instant gratification type of world where, you know, Keanu Neal early in the season wasn't getting a ton of playing time. Right. Um, he had a bad roughing the passer penalty, I think against the saints uh, in week two, but he has brought the hammer in the past yeah. couple of weeks. And he's, you know, he plays the same position that Jordan Whitehead plays. I'm not saying he's an exact replacement of Jordan Whitehead, but he does bring that similar physicality that obviously was a calling card for, uh, for Jordan Whitehead. Right. And uh, I, I I like the physicality that he brings. I don't know if it's necessarily sustainable as a starter for, you know, 17 weeks. So hopefully, you know, Antoine Winfield Jr. can get back and, and Mike Edwards as well. But yeah, as Teddy says, he's an enforcer. And honestly, thank goodness it was Taysom Hill trying to make that catch. Because if it's right. a regular able body tight end with a little more yeah. meat on the bone, right. I don't know if, if, uh, if Neil is able to, knock the ball loose there. You know, I think yeah. maybe that big tight end is able to hold on to it, but right. it was Taysom Hill and he was able to jar it like very loose. Cause he had his hands on the ball for, he did. you know, a couple of seconds yeah. before that the hit really knocked it loose. And that would have been the game right there. Bucks would big have time. lost. And this podcast would be way different compared to what <laughs> yes. we're talking about right now. With probably far fewer people. If we're being honest. Right. And it's too. like, how do you allow a third and 17? The game's on the line. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree. And and uh, so, again, it's like, you know, you're 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 interested in this year. But if you're Jason Light, if you're Todd Bowles, you have an eye on the future. 
you know, these are a couple pieces that I think you have some interest in bringing back. We'll see how the rest of the season plays out. But I think Neil is really kind of coming on. I think uh, Carl Nassib right now is, you know, the arrow's pointing up for him. I think he's playing better football now than he did, you know, in, in, the, in the, the, the earlier middle part of, of the season. And so these are some guys you can probably re-sign on the cheap. Maybe one year prove it deals again for these players. But, you know, you're, start, you're looking at next year's roster. And gosh, if, if Shaq didn't come back, you know, if, uh, if Logan Ryan doesn't come back, he's a free agent. I, I love Logan Ryan. I think he will be back. But, you know, it all depends on the contract, and he's getting up there, too, with his age. But these are a couple players that are making some impact plays. Again, we didn't see a takeaway last night from this Bucks defense, but we saw some big plays nonetheless. The big sack by Carl, followed up by the big hit by Keanu Neal. That was enough to force a key punt that got the ball back for the offense. Defense did its job without getting a takeaway by, by having those two guys really step up when it mattered most. The Bucks front office will definitely have some decisions to make, and you will have some decisions to make when you're playing underdog fantasy, making the picks, whether it's football. You could do it for really any sport, football, basketball, hockey. I know baseball season is not in season right now, but when they are, you could make some picks there. But, of course, it's always great to make some picks uh, during the NFL season. It's the easiest way to get some action on the NFL. That's what they're pick them and rivals games. The rivals games are really fun, especially when you have a game like Buck Saints, like last night, and you could pick, okay, this wide receiver against the other team's wide receiver. This player's going to have more yards. Uh, so that's fun. The pick them's great. And uh, you just choose an over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog Fantasy keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players to fill out your pick'em slip. Get every pick right and take home some cold, hard cash. Use the promo code Pewter and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 by Underdog. Even if you learn from Plant City Math, you know that that's a damn good deal. A hecka of a deal. So once again, Underdog Fantasy, the promo code is Pewter. Start winning today. Came close to winning yesterday. I was going to pick the over on the field goals, but I yeah. did not. Uh, that would have hit very well. But all right, you, you know, you you live to fight another day, and that's the beauty of underdog fantasy is that you can yeah. uh, you can keep it going. Cannon Fire Podcast, appreciate the two dollar yeah. super chat here. Minshew Mania in twenty twenty three. I don't know. We talked about <laughs> quarterbacks that have some moxie, like like Todd Bowles yeah. said uh, Brock Purdy does, and we we mentioned Taylor Heineke right with Washington. Um. Yeah, a quick look at, at Gardner Minshew, who I, I love the personality. I love the mustache, right? But that only goes so far. Right now, he's a backup in Philadelphia, so he's not going to get much playing time with Jalen Hurts doing his thing. But you look at the overall record in Jacksonville, the, the two years there, he was 6-6 six and six in his first season in 2019. But then he was really kind of given a big opportunity. I know it's Jacksonville. That's part of the problem. But they, they were he was 1-7 with the Jags that next year. Then he goes to Philadelphia and went one and one as a starter when Hertz was injured in 2021. 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That, that's a pretty nice ratio. Yeah. He he does some nice things, but you know, I, I don't know that maybe you get him and, and put him in the mix with a couple of other guys. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know that Blaine Gabbert is back. I, I know that that Bruce Arians love Gabbert, you know, and I love Gabbert, but um, I'm not sure. We all love Gabbert. Well, we, well, Todd Bowles, I'm not sure if he does, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who Todd Bowles picks as his offensive coordinator and his quarterback next year. But before then, we still got to finish this season with Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady. And, uh, you know, to, to their credit, they got it done last night. So, Hats off to you. Yeah, and uh, one of the uh, big storylines. Wow, you read my mind. I was going to say one of the yep. big storylines that we didn't really talk about much yesterday, and obviously we got a lot of stuff to get to today, plus the Jalen Darden news. But the whole saga with, with Mike Evans is quite the interesting one. I mean, they went yeah. a long, long time at the beginning of yesterday's game without getting Mike the ball, and then finally they got him involved, and. I don't know. It was weird, Scott. When they throw the ball to Mike Evans, good things typically happen, and they make plays down yeah. the field. And the one catch he did not make uh, wasn't his fault. He was right. able to draw a pass interference penalty. That was huge. And, and that put the Bucs at the goal line to eventually score uh, a touchdown. So 
hopefully this is a sign of things to come that Mike Evans and Tom Brady are getting closer to on the same page. But it was just so odd that they weren't like he wasn't even looking Evans ways when you had Julio down the field. But Evans was even more wide open. He, he didn't look his way. I don't think everything is totally solved there just yet. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, one thing that that, uh, that will solve your energy problems, I'm not talking about your household energy bills, I'm talking about your personal energy, and that's the folks over at Age Rejuvenation. That is correct. Ready, set, As we go. age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because... I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. I was tired of watching bad Buccaneer football. It was aging me. And so I went to Age Rejuvenation. <laughs> no, that's not exactly true. It's not how it happened. I actually went to Age Rejuvenation back in August before the season even started. And boy, I'm glad I did. I should have done this years ago. Why? Because as it turns out, I'm 50. I have low testosterone. Surprise, surprise. I'm not alone. Most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s have low testosterone. It's a biological fact that when you're younger, you're full of vigor. You have a lot of testosterone. As you age, it just decreases. And then happened to even John Gilmore, former Buccaneer uh, tight end, who joins us for the tailgate shows on Sundays. And he went to age rejuvenation even before I did and said, hey, you got to try this. It's this testosterone therapy works. Boy, has it. I am no longer tired except after Monday night games. I am tired today, but that has nothing to do with my testosterone levels. But I do have testosterone therapy treatments going and they work, folks. They they make me feel like I'm 40. I legitimately think like I'm 40 and I feel like I'm 40 because of the testosterone therapy. Do your part. If you feel sluggish if you feel tired if your sex drive is down if your stamina is gone and you're just struggling to get through the day do yourself a favor and and treat yourself this holiday season to the gift of health and happiness go to agerejuvenation.com sign up for their free consultation and uh, you're you're going to love what you hear from them they've got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you age rejuvenation the best gift you can give is to yourself and that's the gift of good health at age rejuvenation treat yourself and uh before we wrap everything up here just want to remind everyone on sunday the bucks are back in action back to playing on sunday uh, they're over on the west coast so a little bit of a wait later start when they uh, play the san francisco 49ers so we will have the celsius pewter report tailgate show live from the walk-ons in wesley chapel and, of course, presented by H. Rejuvenation, who Scott was just talking about. That show will happen live at the Walk-Ons of Wesley Chapel at 2.30. It'll be Scott, John Gilmore, various other Peter Report uh, personalities there. And then I will be on for the Peter Game Day show at 4.25, giving my live uh, in-game reactions, analysis uh, with the guest as well to everything that's happening happening with the Bucks, And obviously, a lot of crazy stuff went on last night, so who knows yes. what they're going to get into for uh, Sunday's game, and hopefully they can make it two in a row. Yep. But uh, Great question here. from Emily here, and we'll, we'll end it with this. Uh, hi, everyone. What's it going to take for this team to play its two-minute offense for 60 minutes? It certainly works well when they do. Yeah, Maybe we'll see that incorporated more throughout the game. Todd Bowles said he doesn't want to – Run it too much because it'll burn out the special teams and defense. And that's true. If you go no huddle real fast and up tempo and it's three and out, then all of a sudden your defense literally got a, about two minutes worth of, of sideline time. And then they're grab, grabbing their water and grabbing their helmet and getting back out in the field. So uh, sustained drives uh, is the name of the game sometimes to keep your defense fresh into the fourth quarter. And we saw how important that was last night. Buccaneers actually, Matt, had 80 plays on offense. Yeah. And, and and that that kept the defense fresh enough to get the Saints off the field and get the ball back for Tom Brady. That's complimentary football. And it happened a little little too late for most people's liking, but uh, it, it ended just in time with a three-second touchdown pass to Rashad White. Uh, it was cool to see the rookie get his first touchdown catch in such a meaningful way. 
Um, you know, I, I thought that he he played a pretty decent game last night. Did have the fumble, but boy, when you make up for it with the game when he touchdown, that is something to remember. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was the uh, the, the rookies coming up huge with game winning touchdowns. Yeah. Kate Otten a couple weeks ago against the Rams. Kate Otten to get them back in the game last night, and then of course yeah. Rashad White with the game winner. So the rookies stepping up in. Uh, huge situations. And yeah, I would say you can't run up tempo every single time, but it's a nice mix up, you know, once a little bit more Byron, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a nice mix up like once a quarter or once every other quarter. I would definitely uh, like to see that. Matt, you know, know, I was gonna say, you know, who stepped up today? Our Peter people stepped up. I love seeing all those locations. You guys, we love doing roll calls. Yeah. We saw one in Australia. I saw Bulgaria. So Yeah. yeah. And of course in Tampa awesome. and uh, saw some in, in Philly as well and all over the United States. So um, yeah. yeah, awesome job by the Peter people today in the chats, uh, putting up where your location is from. And, y- and you know who else stepped up? I thought you and I stepped up today. Yeah, this was the best Peter Report podcast we've ever done. Congratulations to you guys out there for watching what was history in the making. The great thing is we have a chance to top it tomorrow, Matt, at four o'clock, don't we? That's the goal, and I think we are going to achieve it. And just want to remind everyone one last time, uh, if you're not familiar with PewterReport.com, follow us on our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at PewterReport, and our YouTube channel, which is this right here, right now, uh, PewterReport TV. Please just like and subscribe. Uh, We're trying to get to 10K. Would really appreciate if we can get to that by the end of the season. It's absolutely free. Just click it and lets you know when we have content coming out and when we go live for our podcast on a, uh, a daily basis, four times a week at 4 PM. So uh, would really appreciate if everyone could do that. So uh, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you everybody for watching. We will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Peter report podcast. I don't know if I want that OC job, but I appreciate it. Frank, give it to Josh Capo or Paul Atwal. Or uh, John Ledyard, or yeah, I, I, I'm going to recommend Josh Capo because uh, he'd be a player's coach at all. Yeah, for uh, sure, definitely for sure. For Scott, I'm Matt. Uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out, out. Love you, Peter people. Love y'all. <laughs>